windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. These Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got game him. Winner. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. JJ German for the win. He got it. JJ German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, and it was a very unfortunate ending to the ETSU football season on Saturday in Jacksonville, Alabama. ETSU fell to Jacksonville State and certainly had their opportunities, and it was a game where, uh, honestly, it looked like ETSU may be able to run away with it. Then it looked like Jacksonville State was going to run away with it in typical ETSU form. Uh, they may just stay till the final whistle and uh, just uh, – unfortunate just really uh bounce it went against etsu and uh bucks had their chances though i i think uh, e, uh jay sandos mike gallagher here sandos sidekick uh, i i just you had a, some moments where etsu couldn't quite punch it in and not even the first drive i thought the first drive was fine because they got they got the three and out defensively they go 11 plays 77 yards and really three threw, and out after that but they threw a lot of things at um Jacksonville State that got them off balance and kind of set the tone. Then they got three and out. Bucks couldn't capitalize. Jacksonville State comes down and honestly completes a couple big plays, including a one-handed diving catch in the end zone for a touchdown. And so they're up 7-3, and then ETSU goes three and out again, and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh. But then uh, Jacksonville State throws a pick six to Titus Tucker. Tucker able uh, to use really a wide. It was unbelievable, the the. You know, ETSU's had a lot of uh, interceptions this year, but I've been impressed with sort of the, the defensive linemen and linebackers really embracing and, and some of those guys play on special teams, but they really try to get to the to ETSU sideline on most cases, and they set up basically a wall. And so that was the far side of the field from our broadcasting from him. And he just had a convoy, and it was really a question of uh, uh, Zarek Cooper be able to kind of battle through people and he was getting knocked to the ground and it was knocked to the ground right around the goal line and Todd Tucker dives into the end zone able to get the score 10-7 and then you know again Jackson State comes down but then I thought the next couple key segments ETSU had one of their better drives a couple big pass plays including three in a row to Evan Wick for a touchdown to go up 17-10 then the Bucks did a great job to force a turnover milk five minutes and 30 seconds off the clock now, it didn't end in a touchdown, but they were able to kick a field goal, and they got the ball to start the second half. Yeah. And, and two three-and-outs really kind of cost them an opportunity, I thought, to to not just stretch the lead, but if they, they get a touchdown on the board, it's a three-score game. If at least they got a field goal, it's a, it's a different animal, too. And I think that's where the Bucks missed uh, some opportunities there in the middle of the game. Heck, I mean, it's 24 unanswered for Jacksonville State. And, and I think the most difficult part of this loss, and I've alluded to it, and we even heard Austin Herrick game. And, geez, for Dylan Weigel and Austin Herrick to come up and talk to you post-game, I mean, that's that just shows some about the character of those guys and, and their ability to slide something aside and focus on the task at hand. Because I, I would have been devastated with that loss. And I think it's mostly because, yes, you were so close, you know, quote-unquote. I mean, it's a matter of inches, right, that Quay Holmes – I even talked to a couple people that said – I'm not I didn't see the replay myself, Jay, but – if the call on the field would have been touchdown, it would have been hard to overturn. That was what a couple of people said. I'm not sure about the validity of that. Uh, no, no. The, because now again, the the only question we had, and, and just knowing this on the back end, trying to get replay going, some of the official replay cameras, if they're on the line, aren't fed to the TV trucks. So what everyone could see at home, and I don't know. I have no idea, and I think there's a requirement. They're supposed to be on the goal line. Again, that doesn't mean it always is. But I thought they were supposed to be on, on, on the goal line one way or another. And if they had that angle, then clearly, you know, they could make a touchdown, non-touchdown call. But 
the cameras were on the other side of the field. It was mass humanity. I don't know that they could have. It was clearly a fumble. The question was, did would he have scored before the fumble? And I will say, from what we did see, if it would have been called a touchdown, there would have been zero angles from what we saw to right. say that, well, he fumbled before he crossed the goal line. So there was that, but it was also the fact that I think ETSU played their best game. I mean, Austin Herrick said it. They felt the offense was going to get better and better and better as the year went along, and against the eighth-ranked defense in the country, a team that doesn't do a lot bad on defense. I mean, I think they're 12th against the pass, 15th against the run. You put up 260 passing yards and 207 rushing yards. You get Quay Holmes over 100. Jacob Saylor's kind of busted ETSU out of their little offensive funk there when he hit like a 40-yarder and then another 15-yarder. And you, you get guys, Braxton Richburg, Ari Wirtz, Kobe Kelly, and geez, I hope Kobe Kelly is doing okay because I heard the injury was absolutely horrific to see. And Randy Sanders, without saying it, said the same post game just that when he walked up. It was pretty clear that something was wrong. And when you hear that from a guy like Randy Sanders who – plays a lot of things pretty close to the vest that's about as big of a window into what he saw as you're going to get in the sense of well if you know something's not right right away that means you're looking at it and you can visibly see something um very askew uh put it that way but i mean the receivers they they were getting off evan wick you mentioned i mean he only had three catches on the game but all three of them were three catches on one drive that got him a touchdown including that touchdown that he did get i thought most things were going right offensively 467 total yards you outgained them i mean you outgained a team that went 40 plus eight different times this year so the fact that offensively you're doing that you hold them to 34 points and once again as you said would it be fitting if it were any other way i mean it goes right down to it matter of inches then you even get the ball back at the end and it just at that point you're kind of out of miracles i guess you know you had a lot of incredible finishes a lot of incredible comebacks this year but just ran out of steam I, but it is difficult because if you get blown out, okay, sure, you're just not there yet, right? I, I mean, you, you got to the point, but you have a ways to go before you can contend and win in the playoffs. But that wasn't the case. We were right there. I, it, first of all, the update on Kobe Kelly, he did. Uh, they transported him back to Johnson City after the game. He had surgery early Sunday morning, and uh, I think it was a little more complicated than I had expected, mm -hmm. but – he did come through that. His recovery is going to be longer because of some of the complications. But the good news is everything was taken care of um, with an injury. And I, I don't know the – they didn't give me the exact. It looked a lot like just to a layman like an Alex Smith. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, is it Minton, the quarterback for uh, Central uh, Florida? Yeah, yeah, I think it, Milton. Oh, Milton. Milton oh, yeah. my goodness. So both, uh, it looked like those. Yeah. And so um, – which is awful to see that that's the, the way your career is, is, is going to end and all that. But the good news is uh, when you have injuries like that, sometimes there's a chance an artery or something goes away and you actually lose right. a, a, a piece of a leg or a foot or something. Right. So the good news is everything was there. It was put 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 back and, uh, uh, you know, he should have full recovery and all that. And, and we're not having any more football in the uh, – you know, he's got as much time as he needs to recover. So that's right. that's the good news. Um for that, but I thought Jacob Sailors, uh, you're right, the way that he kind of gave a spark there late third, was it? I'm trying to think it was late. No, yeah, late third, late early third, yeah. fourth. Yeah. And then he got he got things kind of going because he had the big back-to-back uh, -back runs that kind of got things going. I think he could have scored if he wouldn't have stumbled and fell. Now, it ended up um, uh, leading to uh, ETSU game points there to start the, the fourth quarter. Actually, it led to that missed field goal. I'm sorry. Yeah, right to start fourth quarter. Uh, there was a penalty back to ETSU up, right? There was a personal foul penalty. And then uh, ETSU had a field goal blocked. And then the Sailors got another good drive after that. And then Quay Holmes kind of took over there in the fourth. So, again, it was another good one-two punch. They, they combined for 190 yards, 108 for Holmes, 82 for Sailors. I mean, you throw in a couple runs from Austin Herrick. And Herrick hurt him so bad with a couple runs early, I thought it was interesting that the quarterback spied him. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there going, okay, well, that takes a guy away from, from the defense to spy Herrick. And I thought he had a good sense of humor about it as well. He told Coach about how fast he was, and that's why clearly they, you know, being an athlete he is, that's why they're doing that. But, yeah, that was the first time ever, I'm assuming, he had to do that. But the, the ground game was there. The passing game was there. Coach, I think, told us Wednesday in the coaches show, like, he kind of felt confident yep. that they were going to be able to make plays down the field. Yeah. And and they were able to do so, not having Kobe Kelly hurt. But we saw Ari Wartz who came in and played the slot, and 
he had a huge catch down the middle of the field to jumpstart the the next to last drive. Uh, you know, Richburg again, three catches, 66 was there. So um, I, I thought Coach Sanders was dialing things up. I think the start of the second half, he took the blame for it, thought maybe he was trying to manufacture. He wanted to be aggressive, but maybe try to manufacture too much. And, uh, you know, it was very unfortunate ending, but it was also a little fitting, right? It came down to the last minute or two and had a chance. And for Quay Holmes, I know he was very upset after the game and, Bucks aren't where they are without Quay Holmes to begin with, and uh, you know just uh, just unfortunate that he's got to kind of sit on that for a whole year before he gets to play again. We've got a few more points we want to talk about after the break, but there was sound from Randy Sanders after the game, and really it's all going to be pretty emotional stuff. Like there's really not a whole lot of need to rehash the game from Coach Sanders' perspective because that's what we're doing right now. But here was Coach Sanders post game. It's never over till it's over. We had the fumble or the turnover, and the ball goes in the end zone. That's when over told Quay. I said, keep playing got to shake that off let it let it go because we're getting ready to get the ball back and we still got a chance to go win this football game and i need you to his credit when he went back out there he did a heck of a job and i I love this football team i love their fight i love their grit i love their character they just keep playing and they keep competing my 30 years of coaching it's it's definitely one of the top four or five favorite teams i've ever been around that really just tells you what this team meant to him and what coaches value a little bit too, right? Uh, maybe it didn't go win a national championship like Coach Sanders has done a couple of times, but I think that this team probably did, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm demeaning their talent, but more with less, quote-unquote. I mean, Coach Sanders talked about we didn't have a lot of playmakers outside and has kind of talked about the quarterback position and things like that, but they work, they're dedicated, they don't give up, and Coach Sanders obviously really appreciates that. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting to hear him rank the team that high, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't know. But, again, he's it's probably the first time he's got to know in depth the people on defense, sure. special teams, right? He's, he's only – I'm sure he could rattle off about every player on offense that's ever played for him and a bunch of stuff. And I'm saying he didn't know any defensive players. Certainly he does. But his relationship changed with a, a lot of the guys. And I think having them buy in and – believe in him and and doing what he wants and a majority I mean, i'm sure one or two guys that didn't but for the most part everyone seemed to buy in and do what he wanted and to see the results and to bring the first championship and then i think he started to understand the struggles of the guys beforehand and they didn't have anything and and even though he he wasn't here to experience it i think he's saw the fight in them and, and he admitted you know if he didn't have all those guys that went through all that they probably wouldn't have had the season they had so the next question is, well, okay, defensively they return a lot. Offensively, clearly they got a lot to to, to figure out. The couple positions I don't think they do is running back, Definitely. the Sailors and Holmes, I think, you know, set there. Could you get a third guy in there just for injury? Sure, I'm sure they'll try to find another running back. Probably tight end, the other one. Tight end. Uh, I think Nate Atkins is going to be phenomenal, but you lose Hayden Hill, you lose Evan Wick, right? So the yeah. only tight end at Saul Action uh, was really Nate Atkins. So you got to get a couple tight ends in there. Already works a little Did, bit. You gonna have a new center? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt Pike's been your center yeah. since the start of Absolutely. the program. Yeah. The guy that calls everything, snaps everything. Your starting battery, quote unquote, I mean, quarterback. And that's right. Center, yeah. That's right. You know, then your quarterback's gone, and then Colby Kelly's gone. Ari Wartz is gone. So JJ German's gone. If you want to look on the special team side of things, I think Watson's out of eligibility as well, if I'm not mistaken. So new punter, new kicker. Uh, your long snapper's gone. <laughs> right. So, so now on defense, I mean, you look at it, and your two bookends are still there with uh, Madua Fakwa and Nasir Player. You'd need to replace a couple of D-line, if not add a third D-line into that mix because you lose Boyer and Farrell. Obviously, you lose Dylan Weigel. It is it's, – it's not totally crazy talk that Jared Folks, who missed two years with an injury at Temple, could be granted a sixth year yep. if he comes back. Him and J.D. Griffin. J.D. Griffin, how about that? He's been having to play behind guys. He comes in and be – I think he was a leading tackler for ETSU in that game. So you would have those two guys in the middle. And then you have Yancey and Bockrath out there on the outside linebackers, and the entire secondary's back. Yeah. You know, so you're looking great, I think, defensively there, but you need some receivers, you need some tight ends, you need a couple linemen, and certainly who's going to be the signal caller. Those are the question marks going into next year. Um, but year two, you know, you'll see how many guys can can have an opportunity to to learn and thrive in that system. And, to, and the coaching turnover, too. I think yeah. he, I think he addressed that, too. I don't know if you have that by or not, but, but he made a comment about when, when you win and things people – 
try to get your coaches, you know. And so when you do that, Especially you know. Especially the young guys, like he was saying. That's yeah. right. And, and, and sometimes part of coaching is coaching the coaches on how you want them to right. coach. Uh, Coach Sanders, the nice thing about that is with losing an Ari Wirtz, losing as much as you do offensively, the Austin Herrings, the, the weapons on the outside, quote-unquote, that Coach Sanders didn't really give a lot of credit to. You know, didn't think we had a lot of those. But being an offensive mind, I think it's nice to be able to have someone like Randy Sanders. If there's one side of the ball that you want to retool, it seems like that would be the one with this head coach. Here's more from Coach Sanders. This group of seniors, especially that, that 11 guys that's been here for the five years, should take a lot of pride in what they have accomplished. And now it's my job and it's uh, all the coaches' job and it's our, our administration's job, whether it's athletic administration or whatever, to continue building this thing so that when they come back in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, that they can truly take pride in what they had a hand in building. I think we got a chance to do something special. We got a great university, we got great administration, we got a great city. Why can we not become one of the elite programs in FCS football? It's it's been done in cities not nearly as good as ours, and it's been done with universities that doesn't have the resources we have. So why can't we do it? I love the coach Sanders is all on board. Right, it's the greatest quote any any coach could ever yeah. give me. Yep. Uh, I mean, if you're a fan and you hear that, I mean, I think that's the the mentality, right? That that's what you want to hear. You know, uh, it's still for me TSU volleyball. Which, by the way, congratulations to them yes. uh, getting that large bid. So, we'll Coach Devine, uh, maybe later in the week we can chat with her. We'll try to line that up. That'll be something to give them a little love for getting the first ever at large bid in ETSU volleyball history in their third tournament appearance. But you know, they've been saying why not. And of course, coaches. So what? Now what? But but why not? Why can't you? We, I go to these places. You know, I've seen Bozeman, Montana. I've been to to Montana where. You know, they're a couple plays away from national championship. You know, North Dakota State's in Fargo. Um, I mean, there's a lot of – I'm from up there, and there's not much in Fargo. Harrisonburg, right? We've been to Harrisonburg. They yeah. won the national championship. I've, I've stopped there. And, uh, you know, they've got 26,000 students, a pretty healthy student fee. They make $20 million uh, just from people saying they want to go to school there before they even try to raise a dollar or sell tickets or anything else. They're in a little bit of a different boat. But still, I mean, you look at those places and, and – and, Boone, North Carolina. They got three national championships up the road. Well, why can't Johnson City and the Tri Cities uh, have championships? So I love that that is the mentality uh, for Coach Sanders, and that's that's what he sees. It also makes you feel pretty good about that's a guy seeing long term him being here and not a well we had a good year and we'll see what the future holds. That was a, a I'm 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 committed to try to win a championship. Speaking of that. Just happy and honored to be at uh, ETSU to be the football coach here. Appreciate so much Scott Carter and Dr. Nolan giving me the opportunity and appreciate this group of young men for uh, buying into my vision, listening to it, taking it to heart, and uh, trying to respond. And I can promise you I'm going to keep working. We're not through yet. We're really proud of what we accomplished this year, but uh, we're not satisfied, so we're ready to go back to work. He's saying all the right things, and it's not something we need to harp on, Jay, but – I think we do have to bring up, and again, just as something that's, I think, in the mind of the any fan base that has success under a first-year head coach and someone that has the success so early and at the level that Randy Sanders had at a place that does not have a history of football success, um, will somebody be coming along for Randy? Uh, this is the coaching season now where hires and fires happen a lot, and certainly it sounds like Coach Sanders is very happy to be here. He is saying all the right things, and um, he's done incredible things already, and you want him here. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt that you want him here for the long term, um, but I think it's just natural for it to cross fans' minds that, wow, you do what you did, when is the FBS going to come calling again? Yeah, and that's it, the ultimate question. You know, he did it one year. Is that really right. enough to judge? But the he's other got FBS experience, lots of it. And, and the other thing is he can make a lot of money as a coordinator. Yep. So yeah, you know, I've mentioned that about C. Forbes. C. Forbes is known as an animal in the recruiting world. I mean, that's where he made his hay. That's where he got Billy Gillespie to hire him. That's where he got Bruce Pearl to hire him. That's where he got Greg Marshall to hire him. I mean, guys know that out there. They talk about how he's able to – get kids to come and commit and play and all that. So Coach Forbes could be an, an assistant somewhere and make a lot of money. I think even Brittany Zell could be an assistant and make a lot of money. I know Randy Sanders could be an offense coordinator make more money, but do those do they like being head coaches? Right. Do they like calling the shots, number one? Then if, if, if they don't want to 
be your coordinator, second fiddle where they can't run stuff. And, and what happens with coaches, once they become a head coach, sometimes they realize the power in there and that, and that they get to call the shots, right? They're the boss. They don't have to try to do something. So if they want to run a play and a coach tells them no, guess what? They're the head coach. They can run a play, right? So they, there's a little bit of power with that that people like. The second thing is what schools are looking for coaches. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, there's not been a lot of F- uh, CS coaches that have been given a lot of shots to FBS. Now, Randy Sanders is a little different Unique, yep. because of the fact he had been offense coordinator in two SEC and an ACC school his whole life. He's been coaching at that level. So the question is, do they do that? And then and then is a, does he look for a job just to take a job? And we've seen Coach Forbes turn down jobs because he doesn't want to go just take any job. He right. wants the right job. So does Coach Sanders – Look for the right job. Does he want to be in the Sun Belt? Is he just waiting for this? Does he think if he wins a couple championships? I mean, there's a lot of talk now that Mike Houston, from JMU's up for a, a couple jobs. We're talking about Satterfield from Sun Belt at App State's maybe up for the Carolina job. I mean, there's all kinds of different. Uh, they're finally talking about North Dakota State losing Klein to to a couple of, of spots. He's got some ties to Maryland and some other things. So there are people talking as if maybe they are going to. Uh, uh, maybe go that FBS route, but lately that's not been the case. People aren't willing to roll the dice, and especially for SEC, ACC-type schools, they're really not wanting to do it because the fan bases are so uh, incredulous to the lower level that, oh, I can't get this guy. But in the same token, you hear people for years, well, we're going to get John Gruden, right? We're going to get this guy. Right? <laughs> and, and don't think Tennessee fans are the only school in the country oh, no. that, that mentioned John Gruden, right? There were other schools that mentioned that as well. So there are a lot of people that, that live in La La Land. And the relationships, right, you never really know, you know, what Coach Sanders' relationship with people that weren't ADs that become ADs at some point. That's how a lot of these hires are made. You know, you, you work with a guy at one school, and 10 years down the road, all of a sudden he's an AD somewhere else, and you're like, you know what? I always like Coach Sanders. He's doing well there at ETSU. Why don't we hire him up here to be the coach at X school? Right. or Y school, or whatever it is. So I, I think for the time being, I, th- I think he's safe. I would say if he has another successful year or two, I would say you, you probably may have to start looking for a new head coach in the future. Well, I think we're going to find out a lot where his priorities lie because you talk about the SEC, his alma mater has an opening just right up the road, and also a guy that may be considered for that same opening is a guy we had on the show on Friday, T. Martin out at USC. So there's a few different angles and a lot to take in at this point, but I think with the success he's had, with the current openings that there are, with the connections he has at FBS, we will see if Coach Sanders really does value being a head coach and really wants to build something here. Uh, my money is on that he does. Uh, and he said all those right things. You have a better relationship with him than I do, but he seems happy here. He seems confident here. He seems to love his team. Um, and, gosh, yeah, what, a, what a great season. I've loved talking to him all year. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit more about the game um, when we're back. Step out for a timeout. This is Sanders' sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Congrats, you made it! Through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day, you took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a $1 million. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Are you having fun at bad time? Mm, you smell fresh as spring. 
Hey, Frank, is this lettuce ready for the customers? No. No, not yet. Frank, they're perfect. Let go of the cart. No. Frank, now. But I didn't get to say goodbye. At Food City, our produce experts are passionate about offering the freshest fruits and vegetables around. We're Food City, and we're very picky about produce. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, Sandoz in the sidekick, second segment, still talking ETSU football versus Jacksonville State in the playoffs. Jacksonville State uh, threw a lot of money on the board to get the game and announced 11000 which was a very generous 11000 Yeah, your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, 7000 were disguised as empty seats, but uh, <laughs> it was – I mean, the Iron Bowl, they had told us ahead of time, they said, listen, if Alabama – wins this game, there'll be a lot of people that will be a walk-up crowd. If Auburn wins this game, there'll be a lot of Alabama fans that won't show their face and come to this game as we're a little bit more in the Roll Tide area than the War Eagle area. And well, I said, I, I hope none of them show up. Right. And and they virtually didn't. And I don't know how they sell their tickets or, or if they sell them all separate or what they were doing. And if you get season tickets, maybe it's already counted, so they got counted in there. Or they just, by God, said we're going to put 11000 on the board for no reason. But, uh, yeah, there were, there were in the stands there was probably about 3,500. Now, my guess is I, I can't tell. Now, they have three levels of suites. Okay. They packed 6,500 But that's those? still not going to get anywhere <laughs> near. Uh, I was in a couple of suites just because I wanted to see how it stacked up. I mean, their facility was unbelievable. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give Jacksonville State that. The press box was great. Um, I, I didn't even mind being on the goal line. It was so nice. But they had the eight windows. I couldn't feel my toes by the end of the game. We right. just – we uh, they were – floor uh, to ceiling windows that just folded back and just beautiful opened up in front of you and everything but uh, it was a it was a good place to watch the game and uh, you know I think their problem Jacksonville State's problem is they have maybe too many transfers that everybody doesn't play for Jacksonville State mm. if that makes sense yes. because there's no reason that they with 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 the number of OBC championships they got hanging, the number of NCAA playoff appearances, the number of Elite Eight appearances, the number of they won a championship ninety two. They've got in the championship game in twenty fifteen. I mean, yep. there's no reason, and they're set up in a league that they can just roll through and they do every year to get in the spot. And and I mean, on the parking pass that had playoff round one, two, and three on the parking pass already. Wow. So they believe right that they are going to be playing and 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 competing. For championships, but they're 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 not. They've taken steps back since 2015. They've had first round games that get bounced out. I mean, in all honesty, you can make a strong case that ETSU should have won the game going away. So I, I think it's it's interesting to see that. But the, the showing it wasn't too much. I, that was my concern. Was the stage too much for guys that didn't know any better? Right. It wasn't. And William B. Green Jr. Stadium puts more, twice as many, you know, in in itself on a regular basis as opposed to what was in Jacksonville State. One thing I thought stood out to me 
Jay, about the defense, and this is something I don't think we've seen a lot, but time after time, one big play for Jacksonville State was followed by another. You think about those 33-yard runs back-to-back by Michael Matthews and Zarek Cooper, uh, Jamari Hester and Jalen Green went 26 yards on a completion and 24 yards on a run. Green went 21 yards, and then Shaq Davidson, that's back on that first drive where they scored that 37-yard layout for a touchdown. Uh, Three of their five offensive scoring drives really spurred on by back-to-back big gains and ETSU's defense while they did from time to time bend but not break I I thought it was I don't want to say troubling because I think the defense still had a good showing I I mean they put seven points on the board themselves and held Jacksonville State to a couple of field goals I think if you would have told Randy Sanders going in Jacksonville State's going to put up 34 points I think Randy would have felt all right about that I'm not sure he would have been thrilled but considering the profile of the team you're going into I think that he would have been in the ballpark of, okay, I think we have a chance. But the back-to-back plays, that can really be a crusher now. ETSU did hold on two of those drives. Jacksonville State, two field goals, but on that first drive, that was a touchdown. So 13 of their points uh, were due to um, you know those back-to-back big plays. And I don't think we've seen that from ETSU this year. No, and I, I, there were a lot of numbers. If you just go back to numbers, and, and, and you told me several numbers at the end of the game or stats, that if this was what it was, I would just each issue wins and, and really wins by double digits. I mean, I, I just they they had the most yards they've ever had, uh, the most yards the Jacksonville State's given up all season. They held Jacksonville State a, a 150, 175 yards under their total. They forced turnovers. They won time of possession by three minutes. The number of first downs they had. I mean, you're going over every single piece of numbers and you're going man you know win the game almost 200 yards rushing you know austin herring throws for 260 or whatever it was i mean you start looking at at the numbers and uh, even holding them they were almost 50 percent third down conversions they, you know they were under that i mean you just you look at every single piece of numbers and you go golly tsu played the the best game they could play and win and of course they were they didn't play the absolute best game because it wasn't clean, right? They threw uh, an interception return for a touchdown. They fumbled one into the end zone. They missed a field goal. I mean, there were certain missed tackles, right? I think the most shocking part was even when Dylan Weigel kind of admitted it, even though that wasn't a question I asked him. <laughs> he said, you know, well, we missed tackles. We gave up big plays. You know, we can't miss tackles, you know. And uh, they missed a couple big tackles. But, I mean, you look at a majority of the numbers, and, and they all point to where ETSU probably should have should have won the game and won the game going away. And I think the the, the non not getting enough touchdowns in the red zones hurt ETSU all year. It hurt them in that, but they still could have won the game even with the numbers they had. A couple of stats that I think don't go ETSU's way. What were they scoring at, like a 93% clip in the red zone or something like that? I think it was 40 of 43, right? And yes, 40 of 43 going in. You're 4 of 6. So don't quite live up to that. And then no second-half, third-down conversions, 3 of 14 on the game. I was trying to think back to you and me talked about this on Friday before you left for Jacksonville. And Coach Sanders said it, Austin Herrick said it, and just looking at – the profile of Jacksonville State. Young, yeah, an experienced program, but as you said, a lot of transfers, maybe not all in it as a team together, much like ETSU is. They maybe not so much, and when they've lost, they've made a lot of mistakes, special teams, and uh, their offense has, has given the ball away a lot. I was trying to think of when you needed to take advantage of your opportunities, did you do it? Because that was it, right? There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be plays that need to be made, and if you can make them, and that was the big thing, if you can do it, then you're in business. You're going to be right in this game. You might even pull it out. I was trying to think about if there were any really big missed ones, and the only thing that I came up with was on that first three and out, which didn't end up costing the Bucks. I mean, they still went down the field and got a field goal, but at the very end of that first drive, where that ended up being a three and out for Jacksonville State, Tyree Robinson, I believe it was, had one right in his hands, dropped it. But again, that didn't hurt ETSU because they still got the ball back, still went down the field and scored. I, I think the defensively, there, there, was, there was that play and a couple missed tackles led to 30-some-yard gains. It clearly hurt. I, the offensive one. Austin over the top, uh, wasn't there one? Yes, to yeah. Richburg. And, and, he over, and, again, he threw a ball 50 yards down the field. Right. And missed Richburg by a yard, yard and a half. I mean, but it was a, it was unbelievable. And there was another time where there was a guy down the field streaking, 
but Austin got hit. Uh, again, they had a blitz. It was They blitzed more than E-Tissue could block, so it was an unblocked guy. I was going to get through, and he got through and just didn't have enough time to get a chance to chunk it down the field. So there were, there were some offensive opportunities, but, I mean, they thought that intermediate passing game, that 10 to 14, 16 yards, you know. And, and there was a drop pass, too, uh, in the fourth quarter before the scoring drive that would have extended the drive. Uh, that was dropped and forced ETSU to punt. So there were plenty of opportunities to make plays. Right. Uh, just, just but not, those big not able to make game changing type ones. I mean, it, it's not like they left a tremendous amount. Yeah. Of just I think two. I think yeah. two. If you went back at it, I, I think the 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 drop pass. Well, three. The drop pass from Robinson was obviously game changing because that that. And even though the Bucks again kicked the field goal, yeah. but they would have been on the plus side instead of sure. driving eighty yards sure. down the field, they would have been on the plus side. I think hitting Richburg to the start of the second half on the third play would have just Changed set the, the tone, too, right? Yeah. Oh, set you know they're already up ten and they're in scoring range, probably put up points, and then obviously the the not finishing the the drive where it's fumbled in the end zone, right? right. That, that's those are the three plays that stick out. Other than that, no, I think they made about every play, and and give a little bit of credit, Jacksonville State had two. Basically diving catches yeah. in in the end zone where Jack you Davidson couldn't have not played. the one that I thought would be. Doing well, he had missed four games, but, yeah. you, and I I didn't even have I barely had him on my board, and the only reason I didn't have him on my board was uh, or I put him at the very bottom where I have just extra receivers just listed, right. and I thought well I've got everybody on here that has at least ten catches or more. He's got seventeen, thirteen, whatever it was right. catches, but I was like I haven't played the last four games, so I, I was this close to not putting him on it. I ended up putting them on it, and then uh, and I blame me for that, right? That's yeah. what happened. But I get there, and Mike Pariser, play-by-play guy, goes, "Hey, the, the Shaq's probably going." He said he's probably going to play. He's been first time in a while, been banged up, so you might see number two running out there. Well, not only did you see number two <laughs> yeah. run out there, he, I think he came in with 13 catches, one touchdown, and he left with like six, seven catches and three touchdowns. So yes, and and ETSU was dra- on two of the three. They were draped all over him. I mean, it it couldn't have been a better defensive play. Uh, you know, it was thrown to the one spot, and two guys are jumping for the ball. One time it, it kind of hugs into his cradle of his elbow, and he hugs it into his body for a touchdown. The other one's almost a full extension one-handed and brings it into the second hand. I mean, it was great, great play. I mean, you tip you tip your cap, but I thought Zarek Cooper did not look impressive. He, he threw him between the numbers. He, one or two balls maybe threw well, but he threw that. Now, throwing outside – and down the field, he he was pretty good at. But they run a lot of slants. They run a lot of comeback routes. And so he he just did not throw those very well. And he certainly didn't like if somebody was in his face. And ETSU several times uh, had guys running in there to at least. And, and that was, I thought that was going to be one of the major keys, right? We talked about that leading up to it. If you let him sit back there like Hodges, it's going to be difficult. But they were in his mug. And um, – it definitely changed uh, when he wanted to release the football, and he released a couple high and led to some interceptions. The problem is, in a game like that, I suppose it does just take two or three plays, right? It's so much felt to me when we were going into the last six or seven minutes like the Western Carolina game um, in the sense that you're down, what, 15 in Western Carolina game, go down, get one touchdown, get the ball back, drive down, Austin Herring, converts a fourth down, and then gets the two-point conversion. On the drive to tie it when you're down by, you know, after the pick six, you're down by two scores. It's like, oh, man, this game's over. I can't. It was just the same type of feeling. And then you go get the one touchdown. Then you get the ball back. Then you're starting to drive down. Then you pick up the fourth down again. And so it was so – it was mirroring that contest. And it's almost – you can't win – every single game at the end. And if you do, you're going to win a national title, right? <laughs> if you just go down – when you do it so much, it, it almost felt like to me, and this is always one I used for my childhood, Gary Anderson was perfect yeah, on the field. Yeah, he was the whole 39 year. 39 for 39 or something like that. It was ridiculous with his numbers on field goals. And then in the NFC Championship game against Atlanta, Tugs won left. The closer you are, the, the more you've – you know, done something well, the closer you are to failing, it seems like. Unless you're perfect, no one's perfect. And the more you win close games at the end, it seems like, you know, the closer you maybe are to dropping one. And uh, the game of inches just reared its ugly head. And the fact that against it was looking so much like the Western Carolina game, and then it, it veered off onto its different path. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure Coach Sanders and the coaching staff would just say, well, I, you know, come on, I mean, that's independent of the next. I get that. But if you look at the storyline of the entire year, it's almost – 
a little symbolic, I feel like, that you had all those wins at the end, and then right when it looks like you're on the verge of one, and it's devastating because, like you said, Quay Holmes has to live with that fumble for the entire offseason, and the kid's been the best freshman in the nation. I mean, pound for pound, stat for stat this year. He's been fantastic. They would not be where they are without Quay Holmes, but your best running back, one of your best offensive weapons, perhaps your best offensive weapon, it's in his hands, it's exactly where you want it, and then after everything going your way late in games, that one doesn't. And that just, uh, it hurt, obviously, uh, to watch and see, and you've seen on Twitter over the last uh, you know, a couple days now, um, guys putting up, you know, very heartfelt messages saying goodbye to the fans, goodbye to the program, and it tears you apart because this was truly, and you've been around ETSU for 20 years, I mean, just coming into this the last couple years from the outside, I have not seen a more miraculous story up close in my sports life. Uh, the group was truly special. The whole thought behind, you know, four years into the program, these seniors, one last go of it, the Granite Boys, quote-unquote, the, the 11 redshirt seniors that have been here since day one, being able to do it. I, I mean, it's truly a once-in-a-lifetime type occurrence that you get all of these things coming together. And I, I think, you know, I don't know that you can the, – the story itself can't be repeated, right? No. You have to drop program, bring it yeah. back. You have to get rid of a field, you have to get rid of a stage. It just doesn't happen. I mean, the, the story itself is, is just as unbelievable as anything else. The magical question is, can ETSU do what they didn't really do in 96, really kind of captivated the area? Right. They won seven games, but they lost their last two games. They were surefire in the playoffs. If they win one of the last two, they didn't, and then it kind of steamrolled downhill from there. So can they capitalize on that? Can Randy Sanders bring in some guys? Because there's, again, we've talked about there's some key pieces that are there. He needs a lot of new key pieces there, and they've got to start building more depth. It certainly started to show in some He'll be games. the first to tell so, you, yeah. I think that's it, and it's it's been fun. Uh, it's been a fun ride. I hate that it's over. I, I think Robert said it best. He's like, these conversations are never fun to end the year. No. You know, because for some guys, it was the last time they're ever going to put on a uniform, and it's all they've known. And guys that are truly special to this university and this program. And there's only a couple. Yeah. There's only a couple that are going to be able to, to, to go play uh, something else. All the guys are, else will, will start their – their other lives, rather some go into coaching, some go into business, some do whatever it is. Right. But they're going to start their other part of their life, and so it's always tough to have those conversations. And it was a fun ride for those guys. They've experienced something that uh, many people don't. They've got a special bond over it, and what makes sports great, right? Picked eighth, finished, you know, for a conference championship. Storybook. Storybook. Yeah, Story I mean, the fact that they did it under the same group of redshirt seniors, and they got their moment, and they – Finish their career strong. I mean, like Austin Herrick has told us a couple of times, you know, we're at peace with it. We're at peace with it because I think that they know that they accomplished something so great, so grand on such a scale that I'm sure they couldn't even imagine. I know they say all, all the right things. Of, well, you know, yeah, we lost to a couple of Division three teams. We always thought something like this was possible. Well, you can believe that it can happen, but actually seeing it come to fruition is not something – that many often get to see up close and get to experience and uh, truly did it the right way too, right? I mean, you, you couldn't feel better for this group of guys. If there's another group, you might be like, oh, you know, it was cool for them. But with this group of individuals, good people on top of the fact of being tremendous workers and football players and special to the area, just um, awesome to see them be able to have those memories. Well, well, we got a lot of football to talk about, not this show, but down the road because there is an early signing period now in December. Signing day will – May even talk about maybe doing a Santos and Sidekick special edition for that on top of our regular show. It's more alliteration, Santos so. and Sidekick signing day. Yeah, there we go. So we'll step aside for a time. When we come out, what are we doing? Pros, Pros versus, oh, versus Jays. Oh, yeah, no telling. He's probably got a lot of ammunition on this one. We'll step aside for a timeout. More Santos Sidekick. Don't forget to download SoundCloud and on iTunes. This is Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! 
The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has an all-new... You had me at Wendy's. Good, because Wendy's has a new bacon cheeseburger, and it's called... You had me at bacon. Well, what if I told you Wendy's kept going and added a smoky, tangy sauce, and it's called the Sawsome Bacon... You had me at Sawsome. It's called the Sawsome Bacon Classic. Sawsome Bacon Classic? Sounds amazing. Why didn't you just say that from the start? Also, if you download the Wendy's app, you'll get special offers like $2 off any combo. Huh, well, now you have me downloading the Wendy's app. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a pass. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? In the deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you at 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to Game 7 in the National League Championship Series. The band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to be out of bounds. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Versus Jays. I need a shower. I'm still recovering from Saturday. I don't even have it. Have you taken a shower from Saturday? Oh, my gosh. It it felt great this morning. You did, just this morning. So yesterday you were in squalor and just did not leave your house because you were stinky and filthy and disgusting. We had to pull over the side of the road at 3 o'clock, get the old uh, guy second day on the job, took 45 minutes. He had to call his boss at 3.15 to wake him up to figure out how to give us four hotel rooms. Oh, boy. Just to – because none of us could drive anymore. We're like, that's it. We're pulling over. Get a room. We'll get up in the morning, 8 a.m., headed back. Oh, that sounds horrible. And then you walk in. For less to have kids that were on the trip, knew what was going to happen. The wives with the babies just handed them all to us and said, all right, we're out for a while, and just left us alone. So wow. there was no nap time or anything. Anyways, what are we talking about? What do we got? What, 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 is, what is this weird, awful segment that you try to turn into something good? You need a shower or a nap or something. Listen, you're cranky. You can't even appreciate the segment. Well, this week I figured we uh, tie, tie in pros versus Jays. A couple of different ways. Now, the Iron Bowl was last weekend, as you may oh, know. Yeah. Uh, and seeing as we're not probably going to do another pros versus Jays regarding football in quite some time, since you're going to be full-time on basketball now, uh, and I'll have to transition and find some great basketball calls of the past, which I'm sure will not be hard to find. A lot of Gus Johnson going to be in play, a lot of Vern, a lot of Jim Nance uh, versus Jay, uh, comparing you to many of the big names around broadcasting. I, I thought we had to focus 
on the Iron Bowl, football, ETSU, bring all those together. And we have a pro from the Iron Bowl and the big kick return of Chris Davis's. It's oh, Rod yeah. Bramblett yeah, on Auburn's radio network. Well, I guess if this thing comes up short, he can field it and run it out. All right, here we go. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. <laughs> They're not going to keep him off the field tonight is a great line. Now, we had to go back to that Auburn Bowl, Auburn uh, Iron Bowl play between Auburn and Alabama simply because there was nothing this year to really go off of. 52-21, yeah. to 21, Alabama absolutely threat. Gus Malzahn, we've talked about his buyout before. If it wasn't for that, he'd probably already be gone, but it's like $33 million or something right now. Now, the connection to ETSU is we're going great returns, and Jay Sandoz had a great call on a great return Saturday. Cooper is going to take a shot down the middle of the field. He overshot his man, picked off. Tucker's picked it off at midfield. He's got a convoy to the 40. He's to the 30. Still got white jersey. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown! Titus Tucker, 60 yards. And just like that, Bucks have the lead. I thought one of your strongest calls of the year. It was in a big moment. It was perhaps a game-changing play. Now, of course, unfair to you, as this segment often is, and the fact that the Auburn-Alabama kick return ended the game, so you're going to get more energy from Rob Bramblett and everybody. And that was probably one of the most iconic plays in college football of this century, I'd say. And I'm sure people at Auburn would say it's the most iconic in the history of college football. But uh, I thought the return was very well done by you. I thought, actually, I give the edge to you, over Bramblett on the overall execution of the call because really you gave more descriptors than just yard line. He was going yard line, and I, I'm sure he was overwhelmed with emotion, caught in the moment, all that. But I thought you harnessed everything very well. You put it into a very descriptive package, and you had the emotion wrapped up in the call. Obviously, Bramblett did as well, but uh, maybe didn't have, as Bramblett did, the one huge line there at the end, but it was also the second quarter, so you can't be expected to do that. The other thing I thought, uh, you know, Tucker ended up diving, and I, later in the call, I mentioned that he dove. But, yeah. but the funny thing is, because we've we've had a couple of plays where it's right there on the sideline. As as soon as he dove, I actually knew when he dove that he would cross the goal line. So I actually took my eyes off that and tried to spot because basically the guy that calls the touchdown, it's on the pylon, is not the one looking. There's a side judge that's running down the field that his only job is to watch the sideline. Ah. And so then the communication from the officials take me a long time to figure all this out. I, never, <laughs> I would always call it a touchdown and then find out, hey, I got stepped out right. at the three. Where did sure. that guy come from? Sure. Well, the guy, because if you watch the guy on the pylon, he's not watching that, right? And so what you'll see a lot is the guy that's on the pylon kind of looks and he nods like, yes, he's in. Right. And then he points to the, the other official, and then the official will either nod or point to the ground and will run to that spot and, and mark it. Or he'll yell, hey, it's at the two, he's at the two. So the they go back. So there's a little bit of mechanical thing that just, as, you know, basketball, I always talk to all the officials before the game, and I'm like, hey, here's a question. Here's this. If there's something, you know, I know you always talk to TV, but it would be very much appreciated if you could help me on some of these things. So I've, I try to do that with football referees. I know how, do you, how does this mechanic work? Why is that? Why am I having trouble with this? Well, because here's the mechanic of it. Okay, now I understand. Now I know what to look for. So I'd actually left out the diving part. That wasn't on purpose. It was just because I was actually trying to make sure that he was in bounds so I could yell touchdown before he signaled. Right. Um, and that's where that came. The impressive part of that call, which I never noticed, uh, and I've heard that two or three times already, the ETSU fan base was pretty loud yeah. right there in the background of that call. So it was definitely a momentum shift. Uh, if that would have ended the game. Oh, gosh. Oh, I might have jumped out of the building. <laughs> I don't, I, there's no telling. I think the color uh, guy in the Auburn call might have. You didn't hear from him after he said, oh, my God. And you could hear, like, the mic the microphone getting thrown off his headset, going, flying, wherever. There, there, there is something. I've, I've, I've had some game winners um, that I've called, and there is a certain moment where you know. like, And, and I think baseball I'm probably even worse at because – I had several walk-off, not just hits or home runs or whatever, but it always seems like 
you you know when it's through that you're trying to give the call, but then the pure, like, we've won the game comes out, right? So you're trying to give this total, like, I'm a pro, there's a ball hit through. You can't get through the call. It's very tough, especially if you're emotionally tied to the team. And and I've done some TV work where I haven't been tied to a team, and I've had much better game-winning calls there than I have for the teams. And that's where Auburn's a little unfair there because at some point in time, they're like, oh, okay, he's returning the kick. You know, he's at 15, he's got some blockers. And all of a sudden he gets to midfield, and they look – they kind of – they cheat, right? They move their eyes down there like, oh, we're going to win this. Yeah. Thing. Like there's no there's no flags. There's nobody here going to win it, and then they lose control. Yeah. That's, Sort of how that goes. So. I got two good calls, good return calls. That was good. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with this week's episode. Yeah, good. no, you, I th- I, again, I think I give the edge to you over Rob Bramblett. I mean, that is certainly a, a pro. I mean, that's the voice of, you know, a top, at least top ten uh, football program in terms of the lore and the history behind it. So, Jay Sandoz won, Rod Bramblett nothing. Yeah, I love it. All right, <laughs> final segment, bold prediction. You know what I didn't win? Bold prediction. Woo! Here, I'll battle. we got to go Lizard. all the way back oh, a couple weeks goodness. here. I don't even remember what I picked. I don't even know. Jacob Townsend will tell me what I got wrong after this timeout. Sandoz Sidekick, Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole, the clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 19- 13. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. I got 
say, I'm feeling pretty good about that Cleveland Browns take that we have in the Friday bumper, saying that they're Super Bowl contenders after they absolutely housed the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. Although the Bengals, I mean, the Bengals are frauds. We know that, right? All right, so here's a question. What is uh, the better win of the weekend? Baker Mayfield's quote on Hugh Jackson oh, refusing to that might be hug crazy him? Coach or, or is it the premature Ed Orgeron Gatorade bath and they put wow. one second back on the clock and then Texas A&M scores and they have the seven overtime epic, but – it's happened before like. LSU, right? Yeah. The the, uh, yeah, the bluegrass miracle, yeah, right? Works. Yeah, so he comes he, around. he gets hit with about uh, 14 seconds to mm-hmm. go, and in LSU, I think runs out of bounds at like the nine, and then they throw a pass over the middle, get a quick timeout, and then uh, Marcus Randall to Devery Henderson lives in lore after about four tips. He runs in between two guys, catches it, wins the game. So it's only fitting to me that LSU makes fun of a Gatorade bath and then has one of their own. I think it depends on what you like. Do you like the long-term, what comes around, goes around, or do you like the instant revenge that Baker Mayfield got on Hugh Jackson? Those quotes post-game were fiery, too. I mean, what was it, now that we got somebody we believe in calling the plays? I mean, that is just going right after it. And and here's the thing. There were several players for Cleveland that were giving love to Hugh Jackson. I mean, I can't remember who intercepted the pass. He ran out of bounds and gave the ball to Hugh, and then they had a moment where they kind of hug. He taps him on the helmet and – you know, it was one of those things where, like, people loved you. Obviously, Baker Mayfield not Baker. did not. <laughs> I mean, wasn't even close, did not. But, yeah, I guess it depends on, on what you did. I was kind of shocking. Uh, also also interesting because generally the rule of thumb is, is you know, you, you as a professional, you don't try to kick somebody's down because, again, if you believe what goes around comes around. Right, guy? Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a situation we're yeah. probably not going to have some days people are going to thrash you as well. So, either way, uh, Jacob, it's been like 14 years since we had this. I'm sure I've got whatever it was wrong. That's all I'm positive of. Well, you're right about that. Sadly, that's not a bold <laughs> prediction. Um, just another standings update. You came into the last week with Mike having 10 right on the year, batting 303. Jay had yes. re- 8 right, batting 229. Mm. So, why don't we just go ahead and get started? Uh, let's start off with the ETSU predictions. Jay, you said ETSU would cause three turnovers against Samford because it was two weeks oh, ago. Oh, that's right. Two weeks ago. Right. Uh, they only caused one, so you were a tad off there. Hmm. Mike, you yeah. said Devlin Hodges, the star quarterback for the Bulldogs, would not break Steve McNair's <laughs> record. You were wrong. Well, uh, so yeah, that's okay as well. Also, we're you both off, <laughs> Yes. You also gave uh, score predictions to the game. Both of you did. Uh, Jay, you said ETSU would win 31-21. to Mike said ETSU would win 21-17. to 17. You were both wrong. Mike was the one closer, though, because he was only 15 points off. Jay, you were 21 points off. There it is. That's just math is what that is. That is. I thought we agreed you not to very do just math. Vexed. Yeah, you look very I thought perplexed. I thought we had a different criteria than math. No, I, I went back show, and listened. Math still he does said, exist you all blatantly said it was in my decision, and I like math. Oh, it was your yes. decision. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yes. No, Because well okay. yeah. I don't remember agreeing to just the score. Okay, now that makes sense. Yeah. So, it was so my now, decision, and I like math. So, so now are we, are we counting – that is a bold prediction. No, no, no. Because you were both wrong. You both picked ETSU to win. Closer. And as sadly as it happened, ETSU lost by 11. I was closer. Closer to what? Closer to the final score, the spread. I, I said it was plus four for ETSU. It ended up being minus 11, so that's 15. You said a 10-point victory. It ended up being 11-point loss. It's 21. Math again. Anyway, yeah, keep going, Jay. Okay. Math, you were both wrong. Okay, Jay, you said VMI would lose by one score or less yes. to FBS Old Dominion. Exa- and they did. Hey, uh, Mike, did you uh, hear the final score to this game? Seventy-seven to fourteen. Wow! Just when I think you so couldn't brutal. possibly be any dumber. I think that's probably no. Say the score again. Say the score again. Seventy-seven to fourteen. 70, they gave up. Oh, seventy-seven. They one covered more, they won slots. They covered <laughs> Old Dominion covered twice. They were thirty-one point they favorites. They won by nine touchdowns. Oh, I mean was, that's insane. Yeah, it was ugly. All right, go ahead. I'm Speaking sorry. of uh, touchdowns, Mike. You yeah. said Notre Dame would win by four touchdowns over Syracuse. Yes, I did. Thirty-six sir. to three, young man. You better believe it. You alive. better believe it. Oh man, I'm getting better and better, and you're getting worse and worse. It appears. That's <sighs> not, it's not shocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay went back to the SoCon River there for another Mercer over Furman pick. He was doing it for the uh, for the Bucks. They kind of needed it. Ended up not needing it at the end. That was uh, listen. My last two picks with VMI that were clearly heart picks, and it did yeah. not go well. Well, the the Mercer one, you were in pretty good shape. Thirty five well, time. Yeah, and I thought Riley was going to play. He did not. It was still the walk on Frost. He almost uh, had to come from behind. Win there. Wow. 
Yeah, but 35 to 30 was the final score, so. Wasn't that bad. Stubborn, stupid, I mean, silly man. I saw a few fervent football players tweeting that uh, today's a day that we should be playing on that Saturday. Well, you know what? You, you were up 21 against DTSU, and Austin Herrick came you in win that and game, ruined your season. That's right. Yeah, matter of fact, you've so, been conference champions. Yeah, uh, solo yeah. conference champions. Yeah. But you know yeah. what? The, the season wrecker, Austin yeah. Herrick, came in and wrecked your season. Yeah, man, there you go. There you go. Couldn't set it better myself, Mike. Uh, but I could not have done a better prediction than the next one uh, you gave us. You said Furman men's basketball would defeat the two, the def- defending champs, if I could talk. And also they've won the two out of the last three national championships, Villanova at third place. Oh, they did. 76 to 68 in overtime. You're a genius. I taketh away from Furman, but I also giveth, and that giveth the upset to Furman over Villanova. And uh, I'll make fun of the Furman football team all I want, but I am fully on board when it comes to bold predictions with the Furman men's basketball team. Now, when ETSU and Furman meet on December 29th, you better believe that there will be no bold predictions in favor of Furman. There will be very easy predictions to make in terms of men's basketball beating the Paladins. But on that one, what am I, 2 or 3 on that, Jacob? I'm 2 or 3, so two I've got 12 right now. You are, you've gotten 12 right on the year. Jay's still sitting at 8. You're batting hey. 333, my friend. 333, Woo-hoo. Jay Put batting 211. Hall. Put me in the hall, Sandos. What do we got tomorrow? I don't know. Jordan Southern. Oh, yeah, Georgia Southern going to talk ETSU women's basketball, too. They play South Alabama tonight. We got Angry Man, and we're going to go over mid-major top 25. No more FCS First look, baby. First mid-major look. Mid-major top 25. That's all on tomorrow's edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. Big thanks to Jacob Townsend, Mike Gallagher, Jay Sandos. Don't forget to download SouthCloud. And on iTunes, we'll have another edition tomorrow. Be here all week for you. Sandos and the Sidekick for your ETSU feed on the Buccaneer. Smart Network.